Good morning, Village family. Y'all still asleep. Good morning, Village fam. We have about a minute until service starts. If you're if you're in the hallway, make your way on into the sanctuary. Have about a minute until service starts. Good morning, y'all. Welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We are now using Linktree. This allows you to connect to all online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms in all in one place. When you scan the QR code that's located in the worship guide, please point up. Please point out the location Sorry. <laughs> um, with your phone's camera. You get a short link when clicked, um, which navigates to a web page with a list of every link that you would need concerning our church. If you're a guest, please click on the menu item for first-time guests. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church online, or you may mail a check to our address. 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville 35811. Or after the service, you may drop your offering in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary right by the back doors. Today, we will celebrate communion and appreciate our pastor. After the worship service, Sunday equipping classes will meet. After those classes, the Teague Village Group meets in the church house. Is that correct? Sorry. Goodson. That was last week. Um, the Goodson Village Group will meet, um, and there will be a community walk to hand out flyers for the Trunk or Treat event. Um, now until October 30th, which is next Sunday, our youth are on a mission to collect food items for our ministry partner, Huntsville Assistance Program. Their goal is to collect 125 items, and at last count, we weren't there yet, so please bring in your canned goods. Um, there's a list of food needed, and the drop-off box is in the lobby. Trunk Retreat will be next Sunday, the 30th, at 6 o'clock um, here, so please sign up to help in some way. Um, if you need to sign up, see someone who just said woohoo, that probably are the... <laughs> okay. um, and this session is asking each member, family, in the congregation to prayerfully consider how they can support the Village Church in 2023 and to give an estimate of how much they intend to give. Please return your estimate by October 30th. For more details, uh, please see the October 12th block note or contact Richard Goodson. And you can come celebrate with us if you are a woman. Uh, the TVC Women's Ministry is hosting Friendsgiving on November 2nd at 530 at the Neely's home. 
you so much for those welcoming those announcements. Now, if you would please stand with us as we begin our praise and worship. Amen. Nothing else, nothing else. 
This is our confession of faith. If you'll join me in answering the question. What misery did the fall bring upon mankind? The fall brought upon mankind loss of communion with God and his wrath and curse so that we are justly liable to all miseries in this life, to death itself, and to punishment in hell forever. Today's scripture reading is from Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel. For the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bonds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven and even the fish of the sea are taken away. This is the word of the Lord.
And as we all corporately bend our minds and bend our hearts heavenly word to you, we do it with confidence. And I pray, Holy Spirit, if we don't have confidence, you will give us confidence. You will help our unbelief that we will pray in faith, knowing that our prayers are not falling on dead ears, knowing that we are praying to Yahweh Elohim, the God who spoke the world into existence, the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega. That's who we are praying to. We're not praying to a statue. We're not praying to a piece of brick or a rock. We're not praying into the abyss. We're praying to a God who hears all the prayers of his people at the same time, and you also recognize our voice at the same time. It's freaking amazing that you know each of us by name, even the numbers on our heads, and that you never, ever take a vacation. You never, ever get tired. You never, ever need to take a Sunday nap. You're always on, and you are hearing these prayers, and I pray for those in our congregation who who may be who's sick or injured, that you provide healing for them. I pray for those who are grieving and dealing with loss, that you will minister to their grief. I pray for those who need a financial blessing, that you will bring that financial blessing. I pray for those who, who may need a different job, that you will provide that job. And I also pray for all of us, that you give us contentment as well. Help us not to thank the grass, on the other side of the fence is greener. It could be green because the septic tank is broken. Help us to be faithful and content where you have us. I pray for our kids. I pray that you will watch over them and protect them. Pray for every child here who doesn't know you that you will call them into saving faith. Lord. I pray for the singles within our congregation, that they would know that they're, they have value that's not dependent upon them having a spouse. And I pray that we will love them well and not call upon them when we just need a babysitter, but invite them over because we value their presence and who they are as an image bearer of God. I pray you give humility to all the leadership of our congregation, Lord, that this is not our church. These are your people. We have not died for any of these people, and none of us probably won't die for them. But Jesus, you have. My prayer is that you will help us to lead in humility and with compassion and with grace. Lord, you know the, the needs of our congregation. You know that we want to become a more outwardly facing church. And, and so I pray that you will work evangelism within us. I pray for the upcoming trunk of tree and the, and the community walk that we're going to have after the Sunday equipment classes that you give us favor with our neighbors as we create presence here. Not for our great name, but for your great name. We're going to give out candy because we love Jesus. We're going to invite people to this trunk or treat because we love Jesus. And all we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you bless our efforts. 
so that this community would see the goodness of the Lord in a way in which we as a body love one another and how we do life together. And I pray that you help us to keep short accounts. I pray that we would go to one another when there is an offense. That we're going to sin against one another. We're going to hurt each other's feelings. We're going to probably say things that are insensitive. But just own it when brothers and sisters come to you in grace. There are no perfect churches. But I want to be a healthy church. I really want to be a place where broken people can truly come together to embrace and truly extend Jesus' love. And we can't make that happen. Holy Spirit, you have to do it. If you don't do it, it will not happen. Point blank. I also want to pray for the preaching of the word. Spirit, that you would take um, these words and apply it to my heart and apply it to the hearts of everyone that's here. Even when it comes to the word, we have no, we cannot understand scripture apart from you. I don't care how many seminary degrees you may have or how many Bible studies you go through or how many podcasts or TED Talks or whatever we listen to. If you ain't moving, we ain't understanding. So Holy Spirit, we give you your flowers. And we desperately, desperately, desperately need you. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. In his book, Good and Beautiful and Kind, Pastor Rick Volodov writes, In our culture, sin is usually not seen as a failure to love, but almost exclusively as a violation of a law, God's law. But sin isn't just a violation of a law. It is the disruption of love. Give those pastoral words some thought. Take them to heart. And TBC Saints, this morning I'm going to talk about sin as a failure to love and, and as a violation of God's word. That The sermon text and title has changed again, so don't pay attention to the ones that are printed in your worship guide. The new text is Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 and 3. The, the passage that uh, Sister Ashley read. And the new title is Failure to Love, Part 1. Failure to Love, Part 1. So remember, sin is a violation of God's law, and sin is a failure to love. But do we believe it? Do we believe it? Hosea chapter 4 begins, begins the second major section in this prophetic book. This chapter moves away from Hosea and his family as an example of God's relationship with Israel. Chapter 4 begins to give us more details. It's going to move us through the weeds of what's happening in Israel. Just the weeds. So what's happening? A failure to love is what's happening. And violating of God's word is what's happening. Our sermon text today serves as an introduction to this whole chapter. These verses set the stage. You see, these verses show us that Israel catches a charge. Do you know what that 
slang word means to catch a charge. The whole nation catches a charge from the Lord God. He sends the prophet Hosea to notify them of this charge. So he goes to Israel and he says to them, y'all have been served. Are you familiar with that phrase? It's never a good phrase if someone comes to you and say that. Israel's been issued a subpoena. And Hosea tells them the reason why in verse 1. He says, hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel. Why? Because the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. The whole nation is commanded to pay attention. Everyone from the least to the smallest. Stop what you're doing, Israel. Give your undivided attention to the word of the Lord. And this phrase, hear the word of the Lord, is similar to thus says the Lord. Because when you see that in the Old Testament, you know something serious is getting ready to be said. The Lord is getting ready to speak his sure and infallible word. He, he, so y'all need to listen up and pay close attention. And it's not just what Israel needs to hear, but we also need to hear it as well. Because even the Old Testament is still God's word. Even a book like Hosea is still applicable to us today in 2022, the Dewey believer. One commentator says, we are suddenly in a court of law and God is prosecuting. He has no lack of charges to bring. The northern kingdom, which is Israel, is facing a covenant lawsuit because of their failure to love God, because of their failure to love and for violating God's word. That's the controversy that God has against them. That's the charge. The Lord accuses Israel of living, please hear this, he accuses them of living in unrepentant sins of omission and unrepentant sins of commission. And both are failure to love God, both are failure to love people, and both are a violation of his word. Do I need to pull up the sign? So what are sins of omission? I try to answer that with an illustration from a pastor in South Carolina. This pastor says, we see sad events transpiring today. Mothers, smothering children, fathers shaking babies. But if one did not do this, and if they say, I did not shake the baby, I just never fed the baby. I never changed a diaper. I never placed a warm blanket over the baby. I didn't do anything wrong. Would you buy that argument? A thousand times no. In Norway, God excused our sins. Of omission. See, this illustration shows us that the sins of omission is you not doing the good things that you know you should do. That's what a sin of omission is. Not doing what is good. James 4 tells us, so whoever knows what is right to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And there are three sins of, of omission that the Lord charges against Israel in this verse. And these are three virtues that are absent in the day-to-day life of God's people in Israel at this time. And these same virtues can be even absent in any local church. This church, Christian denomination, or Christian ministry. You can have, all the, you can have everything with a Christian on it, and it still not be Christian. It's just Christian in name only. And the absence of these virtues 
is really a failure to love God and a failure to love your neighbor as yourself. Remember the quote I shared at the beginning of the sermon. In our culture, sin is usually not seen as a failure to love, but exclusively as a violation of a law, God's law. Sin is not just a violation of a law. It's also the disruption of love. So what are these three sins of omission? First, there's the absence of faithfulness among the inhabitants of the land. Look at verse 1a. Hosea says to them, there is no faithfulness. This Hebrew term, translated faithfulness, only occurs here in Hosea chapter 4. And its basic meaning is reliability, honesty, trustworthiness, integrity. Where do you think all these virtues are supposed to show up? Where? In your relationships with other people. Are you reliable? Can people rely on you? Can people in you in relationship with really trust you? Can the people in this church trust you? What about your immediate family and extended family you're going to see over the holidays? Are you reliable? The children of Israel are sons and daughters of God, and that makes them siblings, okay? God just don't have one kid, okay? He has a whole bunch of them. And they're not just in covenant relationship with God. They are in a covenant relationship with each other. That is the amen statement. But these vertical relationships, they lack reliability, honesty, trustworthiness, and integrity. Basically, it's a dog-eat-dog world in the northern kingdom. And underneath all of their power and prosperity and privileges is dishonesty and deceit. The people aren't keeping their commitments to one another. They, They say, my word is my bond, but it's not true. There's a lot of backstabbing going on. And TVC Saints, that is a failure to love. And one of the things we realize is that we live in a world country that's powerful, that has privilege and prosperity. All those things can mask a whole lot of sins. Because on the outside, it's great. But you start digging, you pull that banana back, that onion, you will see all it stinks. So what God is saying is that Israel, you fell into love one another as siblings who are called by my name. Second, there's the absence of steadfast love amongst the inhabitants of the land. Look at verse 1c. Hosea says, there is no steadfast love. Now, do you know the Hebrew term that is, meant, that is used there? Hesed. I think I'm pronouncing it right. And that is a deep theological term. It means covenant loyalty and love that goes above and beyond the call of duty. In the Old Testament, God's love is described that way. It's his covenant faithfulness to us. And he's saying, my people who are called by my name, like, you should be loving each other that way. It, it, this is his steadfast, never-failing, enduring love for all of his people, regardless of their nationality or ethnicity. And what this means for, for, for us and what it means for the people of Israel is that in our relationships with one another, there should be loyalty, compassion, 
devotion and empathy should be present in the relationship that the Israelites have amongst one another and the relationships that we have amongst one another in this church. But for Israel, the Lord said, there is no steadfast love. That, that, that virtue is absent. And the Israelites, they're treating each other more like enemies than the covenant community and the family. What about us? What about the broader church in America? Do we really get along? Do we really have a steadfast love when we start crossing denominations and local churches and our ministries? Is that true of us? Not just here, but when we deal with Christians outside of our church. One seminary professor says, in saying that Israel is right, has said, Hosea asserts that they are cruel and self-centered people. Cruel and a self-centered people. What about the relationships we have? Is steadfast love present? What about empathy, solidarity, mercy? Siblings. As you relate to your siblings, is there compassion there? Is there mercy there? Is there kindness there? I believe these virtues are are present in our church, and we're growing in those things. I do. We've been through a lot, and I'm grateful that I can can study this passage and say the Spirit is at work here. And we can give the Spirit a hand, proper praise for for that. Yeah, we can. There's no shame in that. Because he's doing it. Trust me, if we were doing it, this church would closed down a long time ago. If the Spirit is not doing it, this church would have been closed down a long time ago, and I'll probably be delivering packages from some shipping company. But what about our relationships outside this church? What about your friends at school? What about your extended family? Oh, what about your coworkers? Do you have steadfast love for them? What about your next-door neighbors that you see every day? Do we have steadfast love with those folks? All the horizontal relationships between the Israelites are toxic and broken. That's what the Lord is telling them. Like, y'all are not relating well together. It's messy. It's toxic. Even the systems within the northern kingdom are toxic and broken. The government, the economic stuff, and the religious system, it's all broken. So let me put it this way. Micah 6, 8 is not being lived out in the northern kingdom. The good the Lord has told them is not being lived out. What he requires of them is not being lived out. There is no justice. There is no righteousness. There is no loving kindness. Again, these are God's words. This is him looking down from heaven. This is what he is seeing. And again, he's telling them this while the kingdom is at the height of its prosperity. Okay? Because remember They're they're not going to go into exile to 30 years later. So Hosea is here 30 years before the exile, and he's telling them this is what God sees. But because things are well, because there's so much prosperity and, and everyone's living well, they don't see this. And so they turn a deaf ear to Hosea. What about us? Do y all know why they're horizontal? Relationships with, with relationships with each other are broken. 
Do y'all know why they're broken? It's because their vertical relationship with God is broken. That relationship we have with him, if that ain't right, this ain't going to be right. And so, that, so if, we, if we're saying, I can't get along with people this way, then there's something about God you don't understand that way. That's what that means. Because if we're growing in a vertical relationship with Jesus, then that is going to impact these horizontal relationships. And that's just gospel one-on-one. If I can't love my neighbor, then there's something about Jesus I don't understand. None of them are walking humbly with the Lord their God. And this leads us to the third sin of omission. There is, there is the absence of knowledge of God. Look at verse 1D. Hosea says, there is no knowledge of the Lord. and There's no knowledge of Elohim in the land. No knowledge of Elohim in the land. Is that knowledge of Elohim in his church? Can't say America because America is not a Christian nation. That doesn't even exist. That's not such a thing. But the church is God's people. Is that knowledge of God in our church? Is that knowledge of God in the universal church within our country? No knowledge of Elohim. It's almost as if his word and his presence has been completely erased from the northern kingdom. Think about that. It's like they're functional pagans. And they are because they're worshiping the false gods. So that means they, they, it's like they don't even know his name. Like no knowledge of the Lord in the land. That's convicting. It's like they're living in a country that has never heard the gospel. And yet they're God's people. And yet that's God's people. Do y'all understand what, what, what is happening here? That the northern kingdom is contently living in spiritual apathy towards their God. Think about what apathy means. Kids and youth, do you know what apathy means? Do you know what it means? One psychiatrist says apathy is the absence of caring about self, others, purpose, meaning, and future. What is happening and what's not happening. To be an other apathetic person means nothing matters. Have you ever said things like, I don't care about work. I don't care about school. There's, no, there's nothing I really care about. There's nothing I don't want to do. I don't care about relationships. Who needs relationships? Church? I don't, I, don't, I don't care about church. Who needs church? I only go to church because my parents want me to go. But when I go to college, I'm going to stop going to church. Who cares about grades? Who cares about sports? Who cares about a job? We all have said those things at some point. And I believe all of us struggle with, with apathy. And I believe some people are even trapped in it. And those folks, you may need to go to therapy to get out of it. The people of Israel, they are trapped in spiritual apathy towards the Lord their God. They are trapped in it. And one pastor says, the problem was not that God had failed to reveal himself. 
But the problem is that the people have shown no interest in getting to know him. That's spiritual apathy. Israel doesn't, this this means Israel doesn't care that there's no knowledge of God in the land. They, They don't care that there's no steadfast love and faithfulness in the land. They don't care that their vertical relationship with God is broken because Baal is providing all their goods, right? They don't care that their horizontal relationships are toxic and broken. They don't care that they're failing to love God and their neighbor. And that is a place of deep spiritual brokenness. What about y'all? Yeah, things, again, on the outside, things in the kingdom are well. Stock market's up. Food in the garage, food in the not garage, food in the uh, fridge. Cars are nice. People dress nice. Everything's great on the outside. Then Hosea comes in and he starts talking all this nonsense. You know what? We'll tell him, Hosea, stop, man. You're like, you, you look at where we're living, man. Stop being a, a Danny Downer, man. But things are not as they seem. Do you care about church? Do you care about other believers? Do you care about the Bible? Do you care about Jesus? Do you care about Christianity? I can't make you care. But you know where your heart is. I came across a quote this week online that says, Hate is not the opposite of love. Apathy is. You just don't care. Apathy is a failure to love. A failure to love God, and it's a failure to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you're feeling convicted, please know that it's the Holy Spirit pulling you towards repentance. The Holy Spirit convicts. The enemy condemns. Condemnation brings shame and guilt. True conviction leads you to a sorrow that leads to repentance. And so I encourage you, don't resist the Spirit's pull. Repent. Let him pull you to the throne of grace. Repent of your apathy. Repent of your sins of omission. Repent for not doing the good you know to do. Repentance is what the Lord wants from us, and it's what he wants from Israel. I mean, the... In the Old Testament, our God gets a bad rap. I mean, he does. People treat him as if he's not gracious. He's a terminated God. He's very gracious. He's very kind. Again, 30-year notice. Like, how much more notice does he need to give you? It's 30 years. He gave him a, that's more than a heads up, man. People died before this thing happened. (laughs) That's love. And that's why he sends Hosea. That's why they've been served. And that's why they've been charged with these sins of omission. And that's why he also charges them with unrepentant sins of commission next. Like the sins of omission, these sins are also a failure to love God and your neighbor. 
These sins are a clear violation of God's word, particularly his moral law. So what are these sins of commission? What are they? Sins of commission are defined as something that we do that we're not supposed to do. These are overt sins, sinful acts done willfully and intentionally. In verse 2, Hosea lists five sins of commission, and all five are connected to a Ten Commandments. All five deal with the ethical implications of God's moral law. Please know that. There are ethical implications of our faith. It ain't just a bunch of head theology. It should impact the way we live. All five are offenses against one's neighbor. They deal with the second half of the Ten Commandments. We're all related how we deal to man. All five are a failure to love. All five are a violation to God's law. You see, the northern kingdom is saturated with chaos, injustice, violence, and infidelity. It's sin city in the eyes of God. Again, he's talking to God's covenant people. He's not talking to those outside. He's talking to God's covenant people. So when we read this, don't say, man, America, show me to leave, read this. He ain't talking to America. He's talking to the church. <laughs> this, this stuff has happened, happens in the church. <laughs> can't get to America. He can't, he can't get finished with us. The first in the commission is, is swearing. And majority of the commentators that I read understand this Hebrew term to me more like cursing. It's like you're putting a curse on someone. You're jinxing someone. It's, it is you, you, have, you wish evil to come against another person. One commentator said, it's the conditional cursing of a third party by the ceremonial invocation of a divine, of a divine name. So this means that the first sin of commission is a violation of the third commandment. You shall not take the Lord's name in what? Vain. Israel makes a habit of doing such without conviction, without repentance. Again, what about us? The second sin of commission is lying. Think about, I think everyone knows what lying means. You don't have to teach a kid to lie. You got to teach them how to tell the truth. Lying is that it's not being honest. It's making up false stories. It's like the boy who cries wolf until the wolf actually is real. No one believes him. It's even little white lies is a lie. Half-truths is a lie. Are any of us guilty this week? Who have we lied to this week? This sin is a violation of the ninth commandment. Do not give dishonest testimony. Do not bear false witness. The Israelites are willfully being dishonest in their relationships, in legal testimonies, in business dealings, in jobs, in leadership, in government. Their habitual lying is a failure to love God and their neighbor. And the same is for, so for, true for us in this church. If, 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 if lying becomes one of our core values, that we are in trouble. And if you don't trust the leadership, that's a sign of trouble too. That means something's wrong. That means we need to come to the table. And if you don't trust the leadership, what do we need to do to make it right? What do we need to do to make it right? 
lying to the people in your life is you failing to love them. It's a failure to love them. But do we believe that? The third sin of commission is murder. And we know what that is. That is to unlawfully take someone's life. And this is a violation of the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not kill. The Lord wants to protect all human life from the womb to the tomb. He's not just pro-birth. He's pro-life holistically. And his people should want the same. They should value and protect human life from the womb to the grave. Instead, Israel seems to be doing the opposite. And again, murder is a failure to love God and his neighbor. And I know what you're saying. I haven't killed anybody. But have you hated somebody in your heart? If so, then you are a murderer, according to Jesus. Have you cursed someone out in your heart? Have you stoned someone in your heart? Have you hated someone in your heart? According to Jesus in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, that is the same. as That is breaking the sixth commandment. The fourth sin of commission is stealing. Again, this, you, I'm pretty sure we all know what stealing means. It's taking things that do not belong to you. Taking things without permission or legal right. The people of Israel are stealing from one another. Again, these are siblings in the Lord. They're stealing from one another. Left and right. Again, this message is for the church. Do you think stealing happened in the church? Or is the church 100% always clean? Yes, it does. And this is a violation of the Eighth Commandment. You shall not steal. Stealing from people is a failure to love them. Please see this. It's a failure to love them. And finally, there's the fifth sin of commission, and that is adultery. That is a violation of the Seventh Commandment. You shall not commit adultery. God wants husbands and wives to be faithful to each other and for their families to be healthy. But the people of Israel don't seem to agree with that. They're intentionally making decisions that would break and destroy their marriages. Are we intentionally making decisions that would break our marriages? CBC Saints, these five sins of commission show us that Israel is filled with so much chaos and injustice and violence. Lawlessness and selflessness are the norm. The people are living without boundaries and limits. Look at verse 2. They are swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. They break all bonds. Bloodshed follows bloodshed. It's anarchy. Murder after murder. This is what the Lord sees when he looks down. And what do y'all think is the results of this mess? Hosea tells us in verse 3. He says, therefore, the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and the, even the fish of the sea are taken away. These words suggest that a drought is common upon the, kingdom, the northern kingdom. These verses, it's like God is reversing creation itself. You notice those, those animals listed there? That's the same list from Genesis 1 and 2. And so it's like he's taken away the blessings of creation. So Israel is at risk of losing all that power and that prosperity and those privileges if they continue not to repent of their sins. 
And we know, if you know Old Testament history, you know they never did. Because in 722, the northern kingdom goes into exile, and they never come out. They never come out. So what does Hosea 4, verses 1 through 3, mean for the church today? Particularly, what does it mean for us? It means that we are called to love God and our neighbor. That's what it means. It means that the sins of omission and commission in these texts can be in any local church, in our church. We, we probably will struggle with them, but we don't have to live in them with an unrepentant heart. It means what another commentator says, the knowledge of God and proper treatment of our fellow human beings are intimately relate, interrelated. It is impossible, listen to this, it is impossible to divorce theology from ethical behavior and remain true to the faith revealed. When it is attempted, a drought must follow, and the church must languish. And we can look historically at our country and see that has happened historically in our country since its founding, when it comes to the church's role. And so if we ever go into a season of, of, of drought and, and language, language, what does that mean? It means it, it, it's to lead us to repentance. It's not to lead you to go out and perform and be more productive. It should lead you to the good news of the gospel. Because, again, we have the truth, the finished canon. Hosea and, his, and the people in Northern Kingdom, they do not. They don't have what we have. So we get the privilege of looking back into history. And so they're meant to lead you to Jesus, to the one who takes all the charges against us upon himself at Calvary. But do you believe it? So please know that those charges that God charged against Israel, he still charges those charges today. But the question is, are you passing those charges over to Jesus? Or you think he's going to get off? I can beat that. I got to tell you, God is undefeated in the courtroom. He's, he's undefeated as a prosecutor. Ain't no evidence you can bring in that courtroom that's going to say give you a not guilty verdict unless Jesus comes in and takes the charges from you. He doesn't just take the charges from you. He endures the punishment of them, which is death. It ain't a stop on the wrist. It ain't 10 minutes of time out. It ain't God going to take your electronics for a month. No, it's blood. So it's either going to be your blood in the last day or it's Jesus' blood now. And so the question is, if you don't know Jesus, do you want to know him? Do you want to know him? And if you do know him, do you live in freedom? Or do you still try to perform and earn the love you already got? If you still know him, if you do know him, when you struggle with sin, do you run to the cross or do you beat yourself up for a day or two? Jesus already took the beating. Why are you beating yourself up for? He already took the beating. 
He died for real sins of omission. He died for real sins of commission. He didn't die for play, play sins. He died for all the things that you struggle with, past, present, and future. The sins you haven't even committed yet, he died for. And that's love. And that's the power of his blood. So you mean, Pastor Alex, I, the things I haven't even done wrong yet is already covered? Yes. And if you say, well, I'm going to do what I want to do, then you don't understand grace. That should make you love him more. That should make you love him more. And he invites you to this table before you, before us. If you have a saving faith in Christ, then he invites you to come partake of this meal. And this is not the meal of the village church. This is a meal that Jesus instituted um, during the Last Supper with his um, 12 disciples. I guess 11 because Judas was gone by then. But this meal is a reminder that his love never fails. You can think about that. Like, you're going to always fail when it comes to loving Jesus. And you know what? He gets it. But his love for you never fails. His blood for you never fails. His blood still is powerful as it was the day that it was shed. And this table should bring you spiritual comfort. And you can't give the comfort to yourself. The Holy Spirit has to take these common elements and bring the nourishment to your heart and soul. Because I had a hard week this week. Very hard week. Busy, a lot of meetings, tired, didn't really want to come today, but I'm here. And so if you're like me, then come to this table and ask the Spirit to give you the nourishment that you need. Friends and guests, if you are not, uh, uh, if you don't have faith in Christ, I consider it an honor that you're here. And if you have questions about what it means to have faith in Jesus, please talk with me or Elder Teague or Elder Goodson or one of our women shepherds at the end of the service, and we will talk with you about the good news of the gospel. Adults, we ask that the kids be with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by the church that you are a member of. And TVC kids and youth, I want you all to give me, Pastor Alex, your attention. Every time I do communion, this is probably my favorite part, because I get to remind you that Jesus loves you. doesn't just love your parents. Or your grandparents, he loves you. And he and, and throughout his ministry, he welcomed all the little kids to come to him. And so as your pastor, it's my prayer that each of you will come to save in faith in Jesus. And you, one day you get to partake of this meal with your covenant family here at the Village Church. And before the elders come forward, I'm going to pray first. And we do have the prepackaged meals, prepackaged elements that will go out with the bread. So if you want one, let one of the elders know, and they will give you the prepackaged elements. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for willing to come down to this world, to take on flesh deal with the sin that has separated us from our Father. 
And I pray now that through your spirit who lives within us who are believers, that these common elements will be used to give us spiritual nourishment as we head back out and live and fight in the places where you call us to live and fight. And I pray for all this in Christ's wonderful name. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and, and having given thanks, he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. body broken from all of, broken for all of you beloved take eat. in the same manner he also took the cup and having given thanks he said to his disciples this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sins
Blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sins is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from all my sins. Lift my eyes to the heavens. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Beloved sons and daughters of a good father, Christ's blood shed for all your sins, past, present, and future. Drink from it, all of it. Let's pray. Again, Jesus, thank you that the grave could not hold you down. Thank you that even now you intercede on our behalf. And thank you one day you shall come again. Until then, I pray that you'll give us the strength the humility we need to be the salt and light that we can be in our spheres of influence. It's in Christ's name, in your name that I pray. Amen. Saints, please stand as we close our service. Oh, oh, oh.
joining us today. Thank you so much for uh, being with us. Hopefully you will join us again. Also, after the Sunday equipment classes, there will be a community walk to pass out flyers about the trunk or treat next Sunday. So please stick around. And I think we will have a sermon discussion, too, um, um, after, I guess, the past appreciation. Now, here's God's uh, benediction to his beloved. May the God of hope fill you with all hope and joy in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in all hope. All God's people said, Amen. Please greet one another.